Hi everyone, welcome back to Science on Trial and Error. We have a fresh new episode for you. Yes, it is published with a bit of a delay, caused yet again by my health acting out, but it is an important episode and I wanted to make sure that it is prepared well. First, let me introduce my guest properly. Today I am joined by Mochtaba Tavakoli. Mochtaba comes from Afghanistan. He obtained his bachelor's degree in biology from University of Vienna, and he is currently pursuing a PhD in the group of Professor Johann Danzel at IST Austria. In his research project, he is looking into developing methods to study biological samples with more precision using expansion microscopy. It's fascinating and cutting-edge work. I can't wait for you to hear more about it. Ever since I started this podcast, I wanted to invite Mochtaba as my guest. I've gotten to know more at IST, and I was always impressed with his attitude, the openness towards people and science, uh, treating every experience as an opportunity to learn something, as well as with his positivity and optimism. His story is full of sad moments, but he chooses to take the goodness out of it and to be grateful for them. I wanted to share his message with you. Still, truth be told, I was hesitant about publishing this episode now. We recorded it a few weeks ago, right before the situation in Afghanistan became so critical. I have talked to Mo and we decided to run it to give you a chance to hear his story, hear about his passion for science and his experiences as a refugee in Austria. I'm very grateful to Mojtaba for his honesty and vulnerability. It was definitely a very special interview for me. Before we move on to the episode, please consider supporting the organizations providing humanitarian aid for people in Afghanistan. You can find links on our social media channels. And now, please welcome Mochtaba Tavakoli. Hi, Mochtaba. Thank you for accepting the invitation to be the guest on the podcast. I'm very happy uh, we can chat. Hi, I'm also very happy to, to be here and honored. And I'm really looking very much forward to it. <laughs> So you are currently in the lab, even though it's the weekend. Um, <laughs> how how are you doing? And is this a, a normal thing for you to, to work on the weekend or are you just doing it from time to time? Uh, it's my daily bread, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm basically sleeping here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, I don't come every every weekend. So it's like basically when experiments are running and I can't interrupt them. So I just come and I usually use this also to do sport. Like, you know, I bike okay. here and then bike back or I go here for a run and so on. So I combine it with, with my activities. So it's, yeah, I also try to enjoy it. So, That's yeah. nice. And are you one of the people that listen to music when you work? I do. I usually <laughs> listen to it when there's no one. I listen to it loud. Yeah, you know, I play it and play my favorite music and try and also dance to it. You know, while I do the experiments. Nice. So, but when there are people around in the lab, I like, listen to it privately. And what kind of music do you listen to at work? 
Um, so it's pop. Okay. And um, I also listen to Afghan pop. That's where I come from. So I grew up with it. And also to yeah to Western pop. So I combine it. It's a super nice mix. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. You have to send me some links. I would be happy to, to check it out. I'm, I'm super curious how you would like it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite open about my musical taste. So let's see. Okay, so I usually start with, with the current work. So if that's fine with you, we could go with that. Sure. I know that you are a PhD student at IST. That's where we met. And you work with Professor Danzel. I roughly know what you do, but I would be very curious to hear more about it. I know you're doing very interesting, you know, super resolution microscopy and also the expansion microscopy, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I would love to hear about the technology, of course, but also what your project specifically is looking into. Well, yeah, as you said, I am in the uh, group of Professor Johan Danzel. And our daily bread is, so to say, is the microscope, the light microscope. Um, what we do with the light microscope is that uh, we, we use it, we develop it further to study biological samples with more details and, and um, with more precision. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem in the, in the field of light microscopy is that um, with the conventional light microscope, so the ones that we have, for example, the bioimaging facility, most of them offer a limited resolution, and that is due to diffraction of light that we use to um, excite certain colors in our samples. But if you want to go deep into the structure of our samples, for example, if you want to know how two cells are communicating to each other mm-hmm. in, in a certain environment, we need to study this communication with more precision, and that is usually way, way, way um, below than the resolution limit. So what I do in my project is that I develop methods based on on hydrogels. Mm -hmm. I mainly work with fixed samples and also the hydrogel-based methods are only, you can combine it with fixed samples. So what we use is two different, or we combine two different strategies. The diapers that we use for babies, um, they have a very interesting compound that absorbs water, right? And it, and it, it gains in volume. Yeah. And the other thing is like the hydrogels, also, for example, our contact lenses. We combine these two type of methods with each other to, to gain more insight in, into our um, samples and by doing that we, we physically expand the entire tissue so now another analogy would be um, a balloon mm-hmm. when you you know um, blow it, it it gets bigger and bigger and now if you would just make a point before blowing it up and then look at it after it has been blown up then you would realize maybe more details of, of the dot that is exactly the effect that we also achieve when we do expansion microscopy. So you're generating more space between exactly. the structures? Exactly. And you use this gel after fixation of the sample? So yes, um, we fix the samples, then we um, treat the samples with some um, solutions so that so we prepare them for, for this um, hydrogel embedding and then expansion. And the interesting part is that at the end of this, we, we can use the very same microscope that is diffraction limited to achieve higher resolution. 
Okay, yeah, like, I see. I we see. don't need any other additional setup for it. We don't need to play around with the with the optics. You are looking at cells, any specific type of cells? No, actually. So um, what we always try to do when we develop a method, we want to have it as um, universal as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we want to make sure that it's applicable to different type of um, tissues, brain tissues, for example, bacteria, um, I don't know, worms, organoids, so that um, the entire scientific field and community can, can apply it and yeah, make progress in their field. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I really don't have much experience with these technologies. By using this and generating the space, you can separate the structures within the cells or within the tissues, and then you gain more resolution to look at specific points in the cells. Because of, I guess, the homogeneity of the hydrogel, you can know how far they were initially from each other in the cell. You can know this distance you're referring now to the expansion factor okay so by how much fold you expand exactly. your, your samples yes. exactly and that is um you can modulate that right with different parameters for example the the hydrogel chemistry that you mm -hmm. apply the components that you use there you, you can um, use different concentration of those components you know you can make it like expand i don't know tenfold you can make it expand fourfold. And then if you really are interested into the nanostructure of your um, biological samples, then you may need to expand it even more than, let's say, 20 or 30-fold. And that's what we also do. Like We, we have um, certain type of expansion um, methods developed that can achieve up to really um, almost single-digit nanometer resolution with that diffraction limited microscope so the idea is to make it as easy appliable as easy reachable as possible for the community so that we don't need to invest millions of euro to to buy a setup you know a microscope but of rather course. it's super funny actually and super interesting because we we buy three or four of these components which are i don't know 100 euros mm -hmm. each and then you know you have them for a year you can aliquot them and freeze them and then you thaw them when you need. And then with these three or four components, you can achieve actually, you know, the same resolution or almost the same resolution as if you would invest like millions of euros. But uh, of course, that disadvantage is that you can only apply it to fixed samples. Right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. like on the optic side, if you would achieve this resolution, you can also use living samples you told about the advantages of the method what are the challenges of actually developing it as you go so the challenge is definitely to to control for all the um, distortions that can be introduced into your samples to also make sure that what you see is real and not some artifacts mm -hmm. of the methods that you introduce right and that is really what we are controlling for with different type of samples also. Let's say you, we, you established a protocol, the method with a brain sample, brain tissue, and then we, we also apply organoids with cultured cells, I don't know, fly brain, whatsoever, to investigate also whether we see these also um, constant across different samples and also control for the artifacts. So we, we acquire usually an image before all the treatments 
and then acquire an image after the treatments, after the expansions, and then compare those two. Okay, how much difference has been introduced into the sample? Then based on that, there's a, there will be a feedback loop, so to say, to us, okay, um, what we should change to make this distortion, so to say, um, as minimal as possible. If you could tell about the scale of things that you're looking at, how small things can you actually see when you use this method? Would it be structures like organelles within the cell? How small can you get? So we can definitely visualize 15 to 20 nanometers at the moment, right? And those are, for example, structures like space between the spots where two cells are, are talking to each other, like at the pre and post synapse. So that is around yeah, 20, 25 nanometers that we can nicely visualize wow. with, this, with this method. But the idea is really to go down, like where we can localize single proteins, which are tens of ten of nanometers. Wow, so, this is awesome. Yeah, when I heard heard about it at the very beginning, I was like, seriously, that is such a genius thing, you know. And then um, I approached Hans, like my PI, and I said, well, I would love to do a rotation, you know. <laughs> And then I was like, yeah, sure, come, let's do a rotation. Um, I really, I, I felt like in love with this method from the very beginning. And that's why I, I really enjoy what I do. I mean, it's really cutting edge. And yeah. I guess, I mean, it can be quite stressful and frustrating trying to develop something completely new. But hearing you talk about it, it seems like you are moving forward and things are working out quite well. So this is really, really exciting. And you actually yeah. didn't have experience before with this kind of technology, right? You were doing something different. Yes. So I've never worked really that much with microscope before um, during my bachelor time. I maybe have used only once or twice the microscope, to be honest. Before <laughs> and yeah. the, the resolution that you're getting, is it comparable to this other nanoscale kind of microscopes, the storms and palms? Exactly, and... yes. So we, we also work with STAT microscope, with, with single molecule localization microscopies like storm. Mm -hmm. Uh, palm. So the physicists in our group, like they are developing uh, those type of microscopy based on the optics. So our group is super diverse. You know, we have physicists. Like we have, it, yeah. Yes, we have data scientists, computer scientists, scientists, engineers, chemists, biologists uh, across the field. Name it. And that is so so interesting. You know, you learn so much from each other. As I said, I've never used uh, worked like so much with microscope, or I haven't used it also that much. But here, you know, I learned so much from my colleagues, and I appreciate that so much. It's it's just a gift, seriously. Yeah, it sounds like uh, there's a lot of exchange between you guys, and I guess this helps with getting the right perspective how to actually approach this kind of work, which is very yeah. pioneering. So yeah, when you joined IST. Did you already knew about this group? I think you were one of the first students in the group, right? Yes. So I joined IST in 2017. I didn't know about Hans before. Uh, the first three rotations I did like with other other professors. And then during the third 
rotations. I met a group member of Hans. We were always or in the cell culture at the same time, you know. And then yeah. we were talking about, yeah, what, what are you doing actually, you know? A microscopy. And I was like, oh, why microscopy? What is so interesting about it? You know, <laughs> you just go to it and image, you know, like, oh, no, Mo, come and, and see what we can do with it. There, I really realized that microscopy is not just, you know, a device <laughs> um, that you, you use for acquiring images, but you can do a lot of other stuff. I'm super lucky and I'm happy with that decision that I we made back then. So I'm very glad. I really enjoy what I do. This is awesome. All right, so now you are a very committed microscopy person. <laughs> but oh, yeah. as you mentioned before in your bachelor's, you were doing a completely different thing. And I think you were working more on cancer cells, right? Yes, during my bachelor, I was really interested. I'm still interested in cancer research. So it's <laughs> like, you know, a transition. I, I learn methods, I develop methods which I would love to apply during my postdoc then after. During my bachelor, yeah, I was uh, worked mostly with, with cancer cells and, and investigating different pathways. But I will go back to that uh, field after my PhD. Yeah, so. this sounds like a great way to use a great technology to study the topic that really interests you. Yes. I really like it. Yeah, as you said, you work on cancer cells and you did your bachelor's at the University of Vienna. And what I found very impressive is that already during your high school, you were working a bit in the lab, right? So yes. how did this happen? And actually, did your interest in science started in high school or was it something that you had inside you earlier on? So um, actually, I was as a kid very, how, how do you put it? Um, I was always asking questions like, if you mix oil with water, why mm -hmm. they don't get mixed? Like, what is the difference? What is there? The curiosity um, was there. Exactly. I was super curious. And then when I, when I finished secondary school, I got more interested into chemistry. And luckily in Austria, we have this system, like if you want to be more, more focused on a specific subject during your high school, mm -hmm. you can do that. So I was then looking for some chemistry high school. We definitely had like 30 hours lab work. That's really. a lot. That was super exciting for me because, you know, you had you have this theory um, class and then you do it all, also by yourself, right, afterwards. So, yeah, I started piping super early and I loved it, you know. Why did you decide to work not in chemistry, but actually in biology? Because I think that when we combine different fields together, we can approach certain stuff from different angles. You might realize different stuff that you weren't aware of before. So yeah, during my third grades at high school, we also had actually uh, molecular biology, biochemistry, and genetics. Mm -hmm. Those were super interesting for me. Using these restriction enzymes to cut in yeah. genes, cutting out, you know, I was like, wow, you, you know, it's like a scissor. You take, cut out something and then you take a glue. I was like, that's crazy. So yeah, that was actually, um, I think the reason why I then decided to move towards biology. And to be honest, it helped me a lot. I had this um, premature knowledge in chemistry and then 
switched to biology. There I had, I could use all those chemistry know-how to move forward into like during my study. And also now during my um, like PhD, I realized that these five years of chemistry uh, high school helps me so much, you know, also for my project. Oh, yeah, in this group, I guess it's useful to have this background yes. as well. Yes. I, I, I'm like, you know, I, I want to learn more and more new stuff by changing fields and then combining them. Yeah. And, and that's why really I'm looking so much forward to my postdoc so that I can combine all this stuff and apply it to certain biological questions. So you're planning to continue in academia. That's a certain for you. Yeah, so basic research, that is my, I can't imagine doing anything different than staying in, in the lab, you know, and then being curious what, what will come out of these experiments and how to move forward. So, um, yeah, I, I will stay in academia. Forever salt to science. Exactly. My soul <laughs> is, is, is salt to science. <laughs> so a postdoc and then would you like to be a, a PI? Would you like to be a group leader? I didn't think about that at this moment. To be honest, I think I will give it a try. I'm open. To... <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I think that's the most important thing in this in this work that we are doing, to keep an open mind. And yeah. clearly in this conversation, I can see that that's your attitude all the way, right? You are not really limiting yourself. I think in the long term, it will only help you. In all of this, there is a way of kind of gaining skills to to build towards something bigger and to make you better scientists. So I think this is a very nice way to to think about your career. <laughs> so for me, the research per se is 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 very interesting. But yeah, as I said, I I love science. You yeah. know, I do science because I, I really enjoy it. You know, I think the power of science is really in combining different field of it or cooperation between it, you know. Yeah, the collaborations um, definitely make it stronger and also, I would say, make the progress faster as well. Yes, yes, definitely. It's something that is not maybe stressed enough. Yeah. But I think currently in the times of pandemics, it, it really becomes much clearer how much can we do and we combine exactly. our heads together and how yeah. much faster things could be moving. So, Yes, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it clearly. But um, so producing a vaccine in a year exactly. or less than a year, that would have been possible, you know, before if, if scientists across the globe wouldn't cooperate together. Yeah, I'm very hopeful that... This is the direction in which we will be going and to yes. kind of keep in our heads that, of course, we are doing basic science, but yeah, the translation of it to, to treating diseases and to coping with what is happening actually is, is a very important argument that we should keep somewhere in yeah. the back of our heads to not get lost in the ego, because I think this is <laughs> no. the, the problem. Uh, in many cases. Yeah, totally agree. And I also really hope that it's not just something that we as a scientists can uh, emphasize, but also it's a political decisions, right? So that that we, we get this environment to collaborate. Really, when I heard about ISD the first time, that's a campus where you have different departments mm -hmm. close by. 
that was like, oh, that's amazing. You yeah. need to apply there, right? I had the same feeling. Actually, looking for PhD, I wanted to have this interdisciplinarity. And I think it's great that more and more places start to do it. That's really, like, I, I realized that during, for my project, right, I really appreciate so much working with different friends and colleagues across the campus. Yeah. And yeah. whenever I talk, I, I learn new stuff about my own project and, and realize it from different angles. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't not think of that before. Thank you. So your career for now has been actually really centered in Vienna. Have you considered going into another country for your PhD or did you actually want to stay a bit more locally? So I, I, really, uh, I actually wanted to go abroad for my PhD and even actually for my bachelor, but I didn't have the permission to do it. So because, you know, I, I, I came to Austria as a, as a refugee and um, I had this um, asylum status. So oh, and yeah, and with that you you're not allowed to. I mean, you can leave the country for, but not more than three months, right? I see. So it was yeah. uh, just bureaucracy that was kind exactly. of keeping you here. Yes, exactly. But I really wanted to go abroad and you know um, also experience a different culture in science. But yeah, that's what I will be hopefully doing during for my. Postdoc. So currently um, you are resident in Austria already? Yes, so okay. I got the citizenship. You Great. Know, now I can move freely. This must have been quite challenging to to get here and I guess you weren't really speaking the language. It must have been quite hard to, to get through all of the steps, right? Oh yeah, it was hard, but it was also joyful, you know. It was this huge lesson, and I, I have to admit I learned so much during this process. But to be honest, I'm also thankful, you know, for what I have experienced, because otherwise I, have, I wouldn't have been here where I am at the moment. I really enjoyed every single moment of it, with all the pain and happiness together, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. And um, how young were you? Were you when you arrived from Afghanistan to Austria? Um, I was um, thirteen and a half when I came to Austria. That's young. So is that one of the reasons that you are? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's the reason, but like you are engaging in uh, activities of these organizations that help the youth coming from Afghanistan to Austria. Um, yes. Maybe you could tell a bit more about what these um, associations are trying to achieve. Yeah, so the association is called EGASOS. Mm -hmm. So it's an association of the um, Afghan students in Austria. So what we want, the first thing is to connect each other, like, you know, to have a network and then um, to help each other, mm -hmm. like for those who are already at universities, that they help those who are still at school and be a mentee or mentor for them. And then uh, what we want to do is also to be a bridge between the these two um, um, cultures, right? So we also provide the community, mm -hmm. our community with, um, with helps in regard um, education system, because it's so complicated here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a huge complex. And then we try to, 
to chop it up and and um, like present it in a more simpler way, um, and also advise like the parents who, who are not that familiar with the with the system for their kid. We then take our time and guide them to to certain schools because there there are these opening days, opening yeah. days at schools. We we advise them to also go there and you know have a look. Um, with their kids and then, then decide together with their kids. Um, and then also at the end of each year, school year, we have a celebration. Like no, we, nice. we come together, you know, and then celebrate all the success that each of us had gained during the past nine, 10 months. And to also support each other, you know, um, mentally and also be, be there for each other. Let's put it that way. So yeah, that's that's what we do like in this, this framework of, of IGASUS. And you are one of the co-founders of the organization, right? Yes. So um, back in 2013, when I graduated from, from high school mm-hmm. and entered the university, so I realized actually that there is nothing such as um, an association where we could connect, you know, and, and then um, join our forces to, to help the community. Yeah, we talked then with some friends and sat down and, and made some notes of what we could do. And that's how it got started. Um, and then we, the, the association is officially, uh, so to say, registered since 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the first two years, it was like, okay, let's do all these works and make it ready um, to, to go public and so on. It's very impressive. I... I guess the community is growing, right, um, with, yes. with every year. And, and it must be, for you, also a very nice thing to see all these people going through this and their successes. And and it must be quite... That's super rewarding, you know, yeah, for each exactly. of us. Like, exactly. you know, you, you do all these hard works during the year. And then at the end, you come and see, wow, what everyone everyone has achieved, actually, you know. It's so rewarding and also motivating, so to say. On the other side, uh, what is also what we really want to achieve with it is that, you know, every one of us, if you want to, from the society, mm-hmm. right, if you want to um, feel comfortable or feel home in Austria, we need to also call Austria home, right? If you want to participate in every decisions like in the political decisions yes. and, the, and whatever things that happens in the society in this country matters uh, matter us directly so um, we want to also increase this uh, perception yeah the, the assimilation not, into the exactly. country okay yes that we are not a guest in this country but rather this is our home and everything that happens here is also affecting us directly and uh, we have to also raise our voices if politicians are you know trying to misuse um like certain society or migrants uh for their own benefits right yeah this must be very challenging right i mean from the perspective of a unit from a perspective of a person changing the country and and just kind of as i said like just learning the language and learning the culture is hard enough but then when you have politicians that I think Austria is also becoming much more right-wing currently. I oh, yes. I know perspective from Poland, which is very anti-immigrants, and and it's actually very upsetting how you know the society's mindset is just um, very easily 
manipulated by mm -hmm. you know the the media or the politicians and then you get people who have never met anybody from outside of Poland and they are already negatively yeah like have negative feelings towards mm -hmm. immigrants I cannot even imagine feeling like this did you actually encounter any negativity because of oh, your yes. Yes, yes. I mean, the very, like one prominent example, right? Two, no, three, four years ago, when, when my, my siblings and me, we were like, you know, we wanted to go on holiday at the airport. This policeman was like, uh, we, we showed our passport. And then he was asking, where do you go? And we're like, yeah, we, we go on vacation. Ah, so you as a migrant can, you know, even can, can pay your vacation. And we, we here as an Austrian, we have to work hard and pay your vacation. I'm like, dude, what the what? heck are you talking? Yes. And I was so upset at that moment. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I couldn't, I, I really didn't couldn't realize what, what this dude was talking about, right? And and the same happened on our way back. Yes, they, they like made us wait for 30 minutes until all the others were gone. And then, oh, okay, where were you? How many days did you spend there? How much money you had with yourself? How much money do you have right now? You know, do you work? And I was like, of course, we pay, pay taxes. Oh, you have, should, you have should tell us that from the very beginning, then you wouldn't have to wait that long and you yeah. know i was like where do i live that's exactly what scares me the most that you can talk to someone that has never even met anybody from any other country yes. and then they will still be negative and they just repeat some sort of like stereotypes i mean it's it's very hurtful and you have you have to have a i guess a very thick skin right to to oh, push yes. through this. At that moment, I was like, oh, Mo, okay, hold on, wait for it. <laughs> you will have your chance. You it's know? just so offensive. It's it, really, yes. it really is. It breaks you down, right? You live in a country where you really do your best for the success of this country. Exactly. You are working for, for the, paying the taxes, doing exactly. everything you can. And actually, I think you probably have been doing much, much more than some of the people that have been born here because exactly. you wanted to be a part of it and you wanted to belong. Yeah. And the, the work that you had to do to, to become a part of it is actually much harder. And I guess this is the thing that... Because there's a lot of discussion about immigrants and their assimilation. As I said, in Poland, it's, it's, really, it's really terrible. Uh, mm -hmm. the way that it's handled but yeah also in Austria and in Germany there's a lot of things that are running around about people who who migrate and how they are not adapting but then when you think about the environment that they encounter that can be so hostile yes and also it's super hard to to join the two words right I mean you don't want to become an Austrian citizen and forget about your identity Mm -hmm. And I think the associations like yours really are important because people should feel good with having the two words, joining them into yes. some sort of thing that works for them, right? It's not like when you move and you become a citizen here, you should drop your whole culture and just, yeah, imitate everybody from here. Yeah, it's very hard. 
to I don't know like to even keep pushing because I guess you had moments of doubts as well when you feel like everyone is against you so I'm very impressed with how things are going for you and I'm impressed with your I want to say like positivity because it's really something that I remember struck me at some point when I met you that you're always so optimistic and now talking to you I see also that there's a lot of that you are grateful for a lot of things which is even more impressive but I guess this is the better way to to handle this kind of hard things yeah I think yeah of course life is hard right so if you if you if you just keep thinking about the negative aspects of it and and how things are terrible we would never we would maybe make it forward but we would be broken yeah during that path but life is short and we should enjoy it we should share the moments with 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 uh, our beloveds and with, with people around us and why just not having a good time with each other rather than i don't know being upset and being uh, a pessimist because things are not working the way they should they should but yeah i think it both sadness and happiness belongs together one without the other is, is not really that joyful and yeah. so at least to me yeah i think the so, appreciation is even yeah. bigger if you had also the darker sides and darker times yeah you just gained the perspective as as we keep mentioning and with everybody with everyone I'm, i i meet right and talk i i learn new stuff about about myself about that person the culture you know the language the attitudes i really appreciate that and I, it, it really um is joyful for me there's really one story that i i um want to tell when i came to austria um at the very beginning so i had a lot of surgeries so back then i was in the secondary school so but i was still living in a camp like in a refugee camp the school was maybe around 15 minutes or 20 minutes by walk but i couldn't walk because you know i had this operation and i had to either use the crunch or 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 sitting on a, on a wheelchair yes so my director from the high school he said that he will pick me up every day from the camp bring me to school so that i can participate and then bring me back to the camp and he did it every single day that's amazing and how you can't be touched you know by yeah. <laughs> you know so by much people goodness like, and yes that is you know you I'm so grateful to everyone I'm, I, I meet, right? To everyone I, I get the chance to talk because it just shows how beautiful life can be if you just take the positive aspects of it into account uh, without thinking about your own, uh, I, I don't know, without being ego. And also, um, I have also an Austrian family. Um, when I came to Austria, like after six months, um, so we got to know each other. And they're my family, right? They're like a second family as my biological family so i was living with them together for two years until my my family came to austria and they were there for me 24/7 they helped me like to learn the language That's to amazing. cope to to learn the society the culture and, and to move forward to make my school to finish my school and then go to this technical school i owe those people so much to be honest because they did so many things for me And without those people, I, I'm sure I wouldn't be 
possible to be here today. And that's why I'm so, you know, positive all the time yeah. because because I realize in my own person what it does when you get like so much positive energy. And um, I hope that I can just do a little bit, you know, convey a little bit positivity by just being, you know, optimistic on my daily basis. So yeah, this is it's very heartwarming for me, mm-hmm. and I think both your families must be extremely proud of you also and of the mm-hmm. men that you've become and how you're growing because you're still, you know, going farther and farther. And, and this is really, yeah, this is really great. Oh, my God. I feel very emotional at this point. No, I just wanted to share. You know. Yeah, it's it's just we sometimes get so focused on our self-pity. Let's yes. call it like this. Not even ego, but just like bad things happen and then you get overwhelmed and this is mm-hmm. normal yeah. but then it's important exactly to find the strength to to use this because these things can can make you stronger and can help you move forward i mean i didn't have experience even close to yours like far from it but i also had a bit of a let's call it turbulent childhood Um, because I lost my mom very young and Mm -hmm. I feel like when I meet people they hear this and they feel bad but I actually feel like it made me really strong of course it was a bad experience but then yeah you take whatever good you can take from it and I took my strength from it and I took my yeah ability to maybe see the world a bit differently and I think it's important to have this as a bit of a push instead of something dragging you down. Yeah. I find it great that we could share this with each other. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing it. I think, yeah, that is like the way how I think we should think of sad things, you know, can really drag us down, but sad things can also, you know, depending on how you perceive, you want to perceive it, it can also push you a lot. Of course, it's a very sad moment. But you can, you can, you know, take so much from it, you know, yeah, and exactly. you can move forward. I really think there is no way to avoid bad things from happening. And if this last year taught us anything, it's just like anybody mm. can be hit by it. It's, it's difficult sometimes to get through these moments. And mm. that's why we need other people around. And we also need to speak about it. Because as yes. you said at the beginning, it's it's kind of... You can feel like you're alone in this because everybody's experience is so different. But mm-hmm. actually the emotions and the things that we're going through are similar. Yes. And it resonates. It can resonate with someone who's going through something completely different, but actually needed to hear that they can make it and it will be better. Yeah. So I'm glad we, yeah, we could send this message yes. through to focus on the good things that you can take from the bad stuff that happen. I think that your idea to join the things that you're learning now about the technology development and the, the topic that is close to you, which is cancer, to, to kind of go in this direction for your postdoc is really nice. And I think it's a very cool thing to, to do. 
you also said that you are thinking about staying in academia more seriously. So I guess besides your laboratory work, you're also thoughtful about the steps that you're taking in your career and the skills that you need to have to be successful in academia. I am also considering it and the very good way to learn is from our friends and colleagues and PIs and supervisors. But what I'd like to ask my guest is maybe if you could give advice to someone that is currently looking for their PhD or thinking about career in science, what would you think is something that people should focus on outside of, you know, laboratory work and outside of building your very typical technical skills? What would you consider to be important to think about already early on to make it easier or to make it just better? For me personally, it's important that you enjoy what you do. It's not about really, maybe not primarily, about whom you're working with, mm -hmm. but it's really, do you like it, what you do or not? Whatever it is, you should do it with, with your heart in the first place and then with your brain. Because the brain, you will need it anyway. But the heart comes first. And if you don't, at least it's really for me, okay? If I want to do anything, I need to be with my heart first there and then with my brain. And of course, if both, then it's... Even better. <laughs> you know, yeah. Even better, exactly. Think about it, you know, do internships as many as possible, like every summer. Because back then, during my high school, I was really doing internships during the summer break, every summer break. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much. So also I learned that whether I like that topic or I don't like that topic. So um, that is one thing. So openness, mm -hmm. be open to it and don't restrict yourself to a certain thing uh, because science is changing so fast. Yeah, and then talk with your colleagues, with, with your mentors, with your supervisors, with your friends, best friends about about your feelings, how you feel about that job or, or the, the science that you do. Because, you know, as you said, we all go through the same thing. Yeah. You know, we, we most of the time think, oh, we are the only one who is going through this, this horrible time. But, but, you know, honestly, all of us go through, but we never talk to each other. Oh, and 100%. That is like, but when we talk, you know, we feel so relieved. And we feel right? so happy yeah. afterwards, yes. So, yeah, talking, like, be open and be communicative. I think these things helped me a lot, to yeah. be honest. And I think it's good to know it as early on as you can. As you said, the imposter syndrome, for example, hits every one of us. And yes. if if there's one thing that this podcast showed me is that it really touches every one of us and it's mm -hmm. actually it's a bit sad but on the other hand it's something that really is we have in common yeah and somehow when it hits we feel like we're the only one that really is that bad or it's good to to build relationships with people yes i think that we human beings are super good in hiding our emotions sometimes <laughs> right yeah. we try yeah. to be oh we are the one that can do it alone we don't need each other, but actually on the opposite, we need each other, right? And and especially since we're so emotional, if we keep those emotions inside ourselves, 
those are gonna explode so heavily <laughs> that you will not oh, be able true. to, so to, to you know to um, collect us back. That's why really talking don't keep stuff inside ourselves. We talk about the, the sharing the emotions and dealing with the emotions, which is an important part, especially during the PhD, because it is a long run, if not a marathon, and there are ups and downs. And yes. I was wondering, how do you, except for talking, how do you deal with, with this? How do you deal with the mixed emotions? And do you have any hobbies that keep you grounded outside of work physical activity you mentioned right so probably also this yes so i do a lot of sports and then uh, phd is not the only thing you know it's not the only thing in your life you have so many other things to also take care of especially yourself we have to be aware of ourselves you mm -hmm. know about aware of our own emotions we should really take the time for us go through our emotions and realize those emotions what they are and then also try to um, work with them that is that really helps me a lot I, i really take the time for myself to go through it be it like just 30 minutes walk through the city right or i don't know when you go for a run or when you go for uh, for for biking or whatever it is The other thing is um, um, social activities. Mm -hmm. You're not only focused on the PhD on, on your project, but also other type of rewarding activities. If I say rewarding, it's, it shouldn't you know, mean that, okay, we should do only things that are rewarding. But I mean, social activities are rewarding in the sense that you, when you help people, you know, when you want to give back something to the society, that really also makes you a little bit feel happier and, and emotionally stable. So uh, that is what, what helps me also a lot. So um, as you said, like we have this in, these initiatives where we meet each other on a regular basis. We talk to each other, communicate. And also bes beside that, um, I try to be involved in other type of um, social activities with NGOs, for example, mm -hmm. to share my experience with them. That really... Balanced me, it's in my my life outside of academia. I think you you touch upon something very important, which is that we shouldn't really think about our value just with the view of our research work. Yes, and this is something that you know when when it's good, it's good. But then when it's bad and work is not going well, or you have problems with experiments, suddenly you feel like yeah, you're not worth much, which is not a very good feeling. And having things that, that give you a sense of belonging and a sense of value outside of, of your work, because it is still work. I mean, we are very committed to, to science, otherwise we wouldn't do this. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the, the whole thing that determines your value. I completely yes, agree. Yes, definitely. Definitely. As you said, you listen to the podcast, so you know that I have this part that I call Room for Improvement, where I like to ask my guests what do they see as a, as a problem in, in science, in, yeah, in academia. So um, what I really miss is gender balance, women empowerment and science. I mean, if you see the faculty positions, 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It's, it is terrible. So I think each of us as a scientist, or not as a scientist, as a human being, we should, this should be our responsibility to, you know, fight for it. Um, the other thing is we need to make sure that every one of us also feel comfortable at the workspace, right? That there's no sign of sexism, that everybody has its, his or her own private space also, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That there should be definitely um, a dedicated person to whom one can talk anonymously without facing the yeah. consequence of being fired or whatever, right? This is something um, that that we definitely need uh, improvement. And I know you are working with with Nicole in the STEM Fatale as well to mm -hmm. to increase the people's awareness about this this um, yes. imbalances, which is which is really important. I completely agree. I mean, IST is doing pretty well with that, yes. and because of this, we feel like we are in this. A bit of a bubble, but we have to fight to make it a more general thing and not just a selected institutions that that actually have it. And and the one other thing is science communication, right? Um, and that's also what STEM Fatal um, does. So um, yeah. gender balance and science communication. So we are in our own bubble, right? We are really at the front of science. We do it ourselves, but we have to communicate it to the society as easily as possible. This is our responsibility as yeah, a scientist. Exactly. We have that the whatever we do, yes, we need to communicate it. We need to, you know, talk about this very openly and and um, clearly in very simple in a simple manner to the society. So um that is also and there is definitely room for improvement. Um it's important but it is challenging and I feel like we could all use more training in this mm -hmm. like our education can be very very um thoughtful and can be very packed with a lot of knowledge about mm -hmm. you know the processes or the biology and chemistry and but then i think we are missing in our training more insight into how to do it properly because of course some people just have it they would be very good at speaking about it. But mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I liked at IST was that in the first year we had this interdisciplinary things and you had to talk to people from other disciplines who are still yeah. scientists, but you had to explain your work and you had to kind of collaborate. And this already was teaching us how to simplify and how to put things in perspective for someone who is not a biologist. Mm -hmm. But then still I feel like yeah, we should be encouraged and we should also have maybe a bit more resources to yeah, yes. to learn I how mean, to do it, to practice yes. how to do it. We have this um, Zuma scientist, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, which is a one step, but I really wish and hope that, you know, at, at the Institute, we get more opportunities like that, um, that we go out and, and communicate what we really do. If IST listens to this podcast, I really <laughs> encourage... <laughs> Uh, them to, to really also, you know, work on that side a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, seriously, when we do the science, if the society is not aware of what we do and don't understand it, they will not have that much understanding for 
you know, so many other things. So if you do our job, then I'm sure that also society will will um, do its job. I agree. The last thing is a bit more relaxing, two questions. One is about your dream, dream cool science. And this I'm very interested in what you will say. But basically imagine that you have unlimited resources, either money-wise or even technology-wise. And you could just do something that you've always wanted to do. What would you work on or what would it be? Of course, saving the world, you know. <laughs> small, <laughs> small goals. <laughs> exactly. So my interest is cancer research and especially like um, brain cancer research. Mm-hmm. I would like to combine, you know, as I said, like different disciplines, you know, make it possible for the different um, departments to, to collaborate and, 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 you know, work on um, questions from different angles, like a collaborative environment I would create. I think there we can really get most out of, out of it um, when there are different disciplines collaborating instead of only giving it to neuroscientists. And to move faster forward, right? Yes. And, and also, you know, okay, about my project, when I design or when, when we, for example, develop methods, for me, it's really important that it is easily accessible mm-hmm. to the community because not everyone has a million euro to buy a microscope. Not everyone has a million euro to do all the single cell, yes. uh, single cell sequencing. Not everyone has a million euro to, you know, do all this fancy stuff. But when we develop something, we, need, we definitely need to keep that in mind that there are so many other groups around the globe that can't, that don't have that much money, but they would love to, you know, and they have this capability, you know, mind yeah. capability to do cool science. The technologies that are developed, they should be cheap, easily accessible. That is really, for me at least, very important. Okay, last question is about the dinner. And I'm curious. So (laughs) if you could chat, have dinner, tea, coffee, whatever you want, with someone that is an inspiration to you or someone that you've looked up to, who would it be? It can be someone that is no longer living as well. I think with my mom. With my mom in a sense that, you know, she went through so much and yet she's so stable, so confident still and so much full of energy. You seriously don't see that she gone through so much when you talk to her she still has her smile you know she's really an inspiration to me mm-hmm. in that sense because what what she taught me is you know life can be super hard it can breaks you down but it depends on you whether you want to you know, stand up and move forward or you want to still keep sitting I think I would first go with my mom and then with my grandma. <laughs> oh, that's... I learned so much from both of them. Like from my grandma, she was basically raising me. Seriously, I need them on, on my daily basis at, this, at the moment and in the past. And I will need them in the future and from my mom. So I owe them so much 
in my life, I would go them. I would go with them for dinner. That's that's lovely. With this positive thought, <laughs> I think we are. Yeah, we are done. And I wanted to thank you again. Yeah, for agreeing to do this and for being so honest and so so open about yeah your life and your story. I'm very happy we did this. Thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I I really enjoyed it and I really learned so much from your you know from this podcast. Oh. Um, no, seriously. Every time when I listen, there are so many new elements in it. And to share, like, you know, to listen to others' story. And you make it possible with Thank your you. platform, right? It's a huge contribution to, that, that we all go through the same difficulties. But we need to talk to each other. Yeah. Right? We need each other. We need, to, we need to support each other. And, yeah, just being positive and... Okay. And let's let's leave the listeners with it. Talk to each other and listen to each other as well. Exactly. Yes. Thanks a lot, Mo. Yeah, thank you so much.